Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome to the Tea Party, where we talk the letter T and people. I'm Teresa Abram, a graphologist and personality investigator who helps people make better employment decisions from both sides of the hiring process. Today, my guest is James Victoria, who, as Robin Sharma described him, is a very dangerous man. James is the author of Feck Perfection, and this episode is for every listener or client who is a perfectionist and has gotten stuck in that ready aim, 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 aim cycle. James is a dangerous man because he will both challenge and inspire you with ideas that will have you doing things that take your breath away. I know. I'm a feck perfectionist every time I release a podcast, every time I'm a guest on a podcast, hell, every time I send an email, knowing that I am going to see the errors after I hit the send button. It's my mantra, feck perfection. And then I send my message out into the world. It even happened with this podcast, as I didn't know that my microphone wasn't working until after. But I hope you'll join me in saying, feck perfection, I'm listening anyway. And a quick reminder that the YouTube videos for this will be released on Thursday over at the Handwriting PI YouTube channel. Be sure to check it out. So let's welcome to the show, James Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, the whole point of your message, at least what I get from it, James, is that it's about doing your own thing. Be your own person. Express who you are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, like Oscar Wilde said, you know, be, be, be yourself because everybody else is taken, right? You know, be who you are is a, is an easy way of saying it. But, you know, what I found and, you know, I was just having a conversation with, with, with a guy in a restaurant last night um, who has been in a job for 31 years and he's, you know, approaching a retirement and he doesn't know who he is and he's scared. Shitless. Once you have to let go of that identity of who you were through work, who are you afterwards? And I yeah. love that you said that because really I got um, Beck Perfection. I turned 49 and that's when I got your book. So it took me 50 years to kind of figure out what is my weirdness and embrace it. And you're mentioning this person that's going on into retirement and doesn't know who he is. So what would you suggest for people to kind of short track that so you don't have to wait quite so long? Know who you are. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately for most people, they need, you know, major trauma to, <laughs> to happen in their lives to kind of shake them and wake them up. Unfortunately, you know, I was in a, I was in an interview situation just recently and I was asked, what are the two things, you know, I, I get a lot of, you know, I teach creativity to professionals. So I teach adults how to play. But I was in, a, in a, a creative podcast a couple of weeks ago and they asked me, what are the two things that creatives fail to do? And I said, well, there's the easy thing and the hard thing. And the hard thing is most creatives fail to uh, do what Fact Perfection asks you to do. They, they, fail, they fail to look inside and find out what the blocks are, what the stoppages are. What stops them from, you know, the, is it is it their lack of self-worth? Is it their imposter syndrome? Is it their perfection or their rabid procrastination? So they fail to do that work, the the, the inner work, and, and find out where that trauma came from. Could be from parents or siblings or teachers. It could be from, you know, um, the society you grew up in or even currently, you know, some some crappy job. 
that that kind of keeps you down. So they failed to do that, and then they failed to do the easy stuff, which is scheduling and organization. <laughs> they, you know, they failed to they failed to realize the importance of of having discipline and having a plan and making a schedule and having a long term goal and having short term goals and rewarding yourself and kind of the very practical things. Uh, so those, you know, those are the things that stop so us. So in order to short track it, you're saying embrace trauma, embrace discord, learn from it, and then take care of practical life. Yeah, find out why you, you know, first of all, you know, if if, if we're not consciously creating our lives, then we're unconsciously just just wandering through them. We're a, we're all just a gaggle of of habits. And most people just live their lives very habitually. And what happens then is your life gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because um, you're not curious about it. You're not asking questions about it. You don't understand why you, you know, people, people come to me and they're like, hey, I was creative as a kid. I went to art school for it. And then I got a creative job. And why am I thoroughly frustrated? And part of it is because they just they haven't allowed themselves. They've, they've been following the rules. Because they were told that's that was the that's the way, and that's not the way. Following the rules leads to a very small it end. It does. Oh, I am. I cannot wait to talk about your handwriting. Uh oh. oh shit! I forgot about that part. Like I said, it makes me terribly nervous. Almost word for word, what you just said is like that's my notes. <laughs> so. Like I said, I was I, I was scared shitless. I was going to have a descending baseline. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what it is. I'm scared. <laughs> You're good, but not totally good. There, you know, there's some spice there for sure. I contain fucking multitudes. I think that's what Walt Whitman said, right? Containing fucking multitudes. So you talked about people who um, procrastinate. That's one of the big blocks. And people aren't necessarily aware that that's what they're doing. So they got to do some of that inner work to figure it out. Yes. Do you think there's any like red flags to the, for somebody to say, hey, this is your block. This is where you're getting stuck. Is there a red flag that they can look for to see what they're doing that might clue them in? You know, um, I think I know so many people who, you know, in conversation saying, you know, especially when you're trying to figure out their their purpose, right? They're like, oh my God, under my bed, I have notebooks and notebooks about this project, or I have, you know, I've I've got this story that I've been, blah, blah. And usually it's, it's like you said, and I think you put it beautifully, that kind of ready aim, 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 aim thing, which is, I've never heard that before. That's excellent. Actually, I think that was George Patton who said that. Oh, okay. It's super. I think there's. I think there are physical artifacts in our lives that document our procrastination. Your inability to keep your keep your house somewhat tidy is a level of that. I mean, I think there are. I think there are physical manifestations of 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 procrastination. That that what they do is they go. Oh well, I can't start that project because I haven't finished that. Thing. I can't, you know, even me, I'm a, perf I didn't know I was a perfectionist until I wrote the damn book, but even me, I'm like, the f if I get into, if I'm going to start recording a, a video or start a project or something, I have to clean the house first. <laughs> what difference does it make? It's funny, but yeah. So I think, I think we all have those, you know, as I look around looking for, <laughs> looking for mine, you know, I think we all, there are physical reminders. And I think um, the fact that even just a level of creative frustration that we have in our lives you know the, the guy i was talking to the about to retire i was talking to him about creativity and he's like oh i wish i was creative but i'm like sorry to tell you dude you are you're just you're just denying it all over the place i think it's like you said you create your life and if you're not creating your life you're just reacting to it but as long as you're alive really there is a creative element to you 
Yes. So in your book, one of the lines that really just was like, oof, hit me really hard was you said you refer to true perfectionism as self-hating narcissism. <laughs> harsh. Harsh. Harsh, man. And it almost sounds to me, I'm like, there's a story there. That sounds like a love affair gone bad. She did him wrong. <laughs> yeah we we do you really want to go there <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm kind of curious because i mean that one really hit me hard having the experience with a narcissist and the experience of you know that what was projected outwear and how he affected so many people and so to say that that's what i would be doing to myself by being a perfectionist i think i do want to go there because like that is that's powerful yeah in the beginning of the spring i recorded a um a course and it was called Perfection, Procrastination, and Productivity. And it was super easy for me to write it. You know, there's you know, 90 minutes of talking and half an hour of Q&A. It was super easy for me to, to write the course because it was based on a woman I had a relationship with who is a horrible procrastinator. Genius. Genius. Amazing. But we'll never do it. Okay, anything. so that's where it kind of comes from is this idea. But... Everything comes from love. Everything comes from either love or fear. Yeah. yeah. And really, it's the same stick, isn't it? Just opposite. Uh, yeah. I know that you were, your website, it's, um, I think, Creative Warrior. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Right now, it's it's heavily geared towards the Creative Warrior. We're retooling it because there's so many other facets and, and that people don't don't get past that. So it's, you know, but yes, it is. It is. It is about the Creative Warrior right now, which is the is is the best the best project I've ever launched. It's, it's my, it's my weekly live school. Oh, so tell me more about that. Oh, you know, I just, I, 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 you know, I want, I've got, I've got prints for sale. I've got other courses. I've got, you know, my book I've got. And, you know, when you, when people get to the website, it's just this huge page of creative warrior. And I think people, I want people to go past that, but my school is the, is, is the best thing that I'm that I'm that I'm doing right now. And the way it started was it was started when quarantine started. Quar you know, quarantine really almost ruined my business because my business was traveling and doing corporate workshops and, you know, creative lectures and um and then then the and and bringing people here to where I am for um events and this treats that I run. And then nobody was traveling. So I was like, uh, what do I do? And I really had to go sit under a Bodhi tree and go, what do I like to do? What am I good at? And how am I going to get paid for it? Um, and owning, owning that I'm a teacher. I found a guy in the UK who knows how to run all the programs and knows how to design websites and do all that kind of stuff. And he and I have been doing the Creative Warrior ever since well over well over a year. And we at any time have anywhere between, you know, 50 and 150 people in, uh, you know, in the school. Nice. And I love that because right there, what you just described is what we were talking about. Trauma in the form of COVID, in the form of quarantine, being the cause of going deep, looking within, and then spurring you forward into something even better that's even that's even better. It's yeah, I know. I mean, my my career before Creative Warrior was good, was interesting. I was a I was a good designer, meaning I can get into most museums around the world and have two shows at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. But I've always told people that I'm a pretty good designer, but I'm a much better there you teacher. And so now you get to embrace that. Yes. So, uh, you know, one of the things that you also ask, I know in your book, you mentioned it's like, well, what are your goals? Where do you see yourself in 10 or 15 years? So James, where do you actually see yourself in 10 years? I have two 
angels in my life. I have a, I have a, a six-year-old Wyatt and a four-year-old Nova. Um, I've got two beautiful children in my life. So, uh, you know, everything, everything always comes back to them. Where I see myself is, is me, you know, shepherding them and trying to give them a, a beautiful life and have them, you know, smiling and happy, um, you know, a lot, mm-hmm. um, make them better people than, than I am. No, without the procrastination, without, they're going to have their own level of trauma. You can't help that. But what I do with them, the best thing I think that I do with them, because understanding how I teach other people, uh, what I do with them is I allow them uh, a massive amount of creativity. And I also allow them to express that creative urge that always, always, always gets shut down by parents because it's a real pain in the ass, which is, I've got two of them and I'm a, basically a single dad. So I've got like two of them constantly, constantly going, Hey daddy, look at this. Hey, Hey daddy, look at me. Look what I can do. And I have to say, yes, wait a second. Wait, <gasps> show me, you know, and not go I'm fucking cooking. I, I can't look like I can't, I can't do this. I'm making lunches and breakfast. And I'm like, ah, you know, I can't do that. I have to be there for them. And I think that, Everything that I teach comes from the the basic, I think it's a basic truth that we all, all, everybody on the planet wants to be seen and heard and loved. And if you can understand that, you can understand the breadth of human behavior, the good and the bad. It's we want to be seen and we want to be heard, but we don't have the tools. So there are so many people who do stupid things because they don't have the tools to be seen in the proper light. So they, so they act out. I mean, I think that's fascinating. And I catch, my, catch myself doing it too. You know, and I realized that as a creative person, my creative urge to say, hey, look at me, that was shut down bad when I was a kid through school and everything. Nobody knew how to handle a creative soul, somebody who wanted to draw on everything and write. And so my creative urge comes from, I was a, I was a show off. But I realized now as an adult, I'm still a show off. My showing off is me trying to reach out and say, hey, love me. This is what I can do. And, you know, there's so much research now that's even showing that that's one of our basic psychological needs is just to be understood. And people who feel understood on a daily basis are healthier and happier. And so it's that basic need that we have to be seen by others and understood. So let's take a look at some of your handwriting now that we've got a good idea. And it's just amazing to me how much of what you said is so reflective in your handwriting. What I really found interesting is when I first reached out to you and your book has a lot of handwriting in it. It is definitely one of the means that you use to communicate your messages is and, and you do different things within your handwriting to convey different emotions and information. So when I reached out, I thought, well, I wonder what sample I get back. Is his personal writing going to match the professional writing, that persona writing that would be in your book? And then I got this and I'm like, this is what is reflected in your book. So the first thing that I realized is that you are the real McCoy. What you talk about, what you are teaching, you are living. It isn't just a persona that you put on. It isn't just something that you heard from somebody else. It is visceral for you. It is in your DNA because it's coming out in your personal writing as well. Now, Another thing in your your writing that really popped out at me is right here. If you look at melted, there's a T here. Yes. And that T is what we call a tinted T. So you can see at the bottom here, it's like a little tint. Yes. It's T in in that. And that shows me that you can be stubborn. There is a stubbornness to you that you can say, nope, this is the line that I am going to hold. 
and you're mm-hmm. not going to give. And I think that's certainly reflective from our conversations. It, that is something you're going to do. If you believe in something passionately, you will be stubborn about it. Mm-hmm. And that is reflected in your team. You're also talking about being dramatic. And that's who you are, that you still are dramatic and you're still, you know, that idea of look at me. And that's everything. That's the whole page. If we just zoom out and don't look at any specific strokes, any particular traits, the whole thing about this, it's large, it's energetic, it's fast writing, it's different. It's not a copybook in any way, shape or form. And it really does show us that you are an expressive extrovert. You're going to want to dominate a room. You want to be noticed. Being a wallflower is probably your nightmare if you were to be ignored. <laughs> Nobody puts James in the corner. I think that would be the phrase. I love that. <laughs> right. I'll be there. They're going to try to put you in the corner and there's going to be a ruckus in that corner. Now, another thing that really comes across is there, there's a couple of different dynamics in your writing because it is really glorious. Like it's a beautiful piece just to look at it. It's so interesting and intriguing and it really does draw you in, which any great piece of art should do. But there's an inharmoniousness to it and there's aggression in it as well. So it's a really interesting mix of having those two. And it is a little bit of a childlike quality where you're embracing both parts of that. You're not trying to sort of, you know, soften those edges. You're not trying to fit in a box. It's like you're refusing to grow up. You're it, it, it's like id writing. There's idiosyncrasies, there's... Uh, distinct forms and you are just not ready to live by somebody else's rules and grow up the curiosity is there and part of that curiosity well we just see it in the there's so many different kinds of forms in your in your writing like you can choose any letter you want and you're probably going to see it two different ways at least now there's no shame in this handwriting you, your roadblock is not related to that at all. So you're never going to feel embarrassed by what you're presenting. But you do rebel against boredom. You do not want to be bored. You're going to stay curious. You're going to stay interested in life around you. So it shows me you're a disruptor because you break a lot of our rules. You've got random capital letters where they shouldn't be, like over here. Yes. But what's really interesting I found is that you still maintain, if we look all the way around the edges here, you still maintain a border. So there's still like a frame. And then even how you how you took the photo of it and sent it to me is now we have another frame around it as well. <laughs> so it's like a frame within a frame. So it shows me that while you are a disruptor and you are going to really shake things up, and challenge people to think in a different way, you operate within some sort of framework. There are rules, you do have boundaries. You are not going to be somebody who throws everything to the wind. You're not gonna be a serial killer. You're not gonna do something that's going to jeopardize your freedom. So how do you feel about that so far, James? <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's funny. As far as the border, the border and uh, uh, the border on the border, I, I, as a designer or as an artist, I always felt like I was a uh, an abstract expressionist caught in a uh, Swiss modernist's body. <laughs> Ooh, yes, that is such a. You say that, and then I look at how you do your name, the bottom. Like that's what you just described. That's how we could put that word for your. That whole phrase would be how you signed your name at the bottom there, mm-hmm. right? There's a little bit of 
you know, tension, push and pull, not necessarily the comfort there of somebody who is comfortable just going along, right? Mm-hmm. There is tension, there's a push and pull going on in, in how you sign the name, which, you're describing, mm-hmm. which is how you just described it. So. Another thing that I found really interesting is the way that you start out with quite a bit of space. If you see up here, especially if we turn it upside down, it's easier to kind of see how here, there's actually quite a bit of room. There's a lot of the, the ground, right? The ground is being the paper in this case. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ground that shows through and around the figure, which is the ink. But as we move down the page, that, that ground gets overtaken by the figure. So the paper gets overtaken by the ink as you move through the writing. And what that is really specific. It tells me that you underestimate sometimes how much energy and or resources a project is going to take. And so you end up putting in more energy and resources than you expected at the beginning to get that project complete. You will get it complete, but it does usually take a little bit more extra than what you expected. What would your reflection on that be? I, I, I am, I am, I'm a yeah, hungry, horny guy and I'm always biting off um, more than I can chew. Right. Now, the one thing that I was actually really surprised to see was in your D stems. And the D stem, the way that we're taught to do it is just to go straight up and then you retrace it. Mm-hmm. Or you just go straight up and you leave it at the top and you don't come back down. But you've put a loop into your D stem. And where we put a loop where they're not actually trained to be, it becomes a container for emotion. So anytime we have a random loop, that shouldn't be there. So we have it in your Ds. We also have it here in this concrete T where there's a loop in it. It shows us that there's a sensitivity to criticism. I was a little bit surprised by that because I, to me, it's like everything about this is sort of, you know, the middle finger to everybody. And it's like kind of, you know, keep up with me or do your own thing, but I'm not going to do it. And yet this does show me that what other people feel and say about you does affect you. You do internalize it as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, deeply. That, that's an interesting dynamic for you. That must really be a challenge for you personally, where you're putting out something that's really challenging to people, and yet you really feel criticism. It, the fear of me, yeah, the fear of, the fear of my own voice, the fear of what I'm capable of, yes. Oh, the fear of what you're capable of. That you could change the world. What if you change the world? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Now, let me just see here. Somewhere in your handwriting, there is a lie. Yes. Now, there's two places that really caught my attention. But the one that I think is the lie is where we have a really unusual formation going on. I mean, we have lots of unusual formations, but we have one in particular where it says here, concrete. And you'll notice that concrete itself kind of makes a little rainbow. It's like this little, (laughs) and then it comes down. It's a little rainbow. And if we look anywhere else in your writing, we don't see a rainbow for a word. Most of your words go pretty straight. You might drop it a little bit. There's like, you might have a step going on, but we don't get a rainbow. So that was really something that caught my attention right off the bat is this little rainbow. The other Mm -hmm. thing is you added in the word hot which meant you came back and you focused on that and you decided you needed to add more to it. Now, in statement analysis, where you're trying to find out if somebody is lying, one of the things you pay attention to is if people add too much detail. 
Because if they're adding too much detail, it can be a sign that they're trying to cover for something. And so this little addition of hot is almost, it's like the handwriting equivalent to that. So my guess of where you lie to me is perhaps it was not a hot concrete porch. It's related to the hot concrete porch, but it is not the hot concrete porch. Not the hot concrete porch itself. No, it was, it was that I said that it was in Mountain Home, Idaho, and it was actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Ah, okay. That's another one I was thinking about because your eye here in Idaho is like really radically different than your other eyes. Mm -hmm. Tiny, yeah. If you chucked it off at its legs. And this became really angular too, which would be, but with a little bit of a bend. Interesting. Because right. I haven't, I haven't written Mountain Home, Idaho in forever uh, or at all. And um, I didn't know how to, if I was going to spell it out or just do, you know, MT. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, that's definitely different too. With really, really sharp angles. And then you have a bend here, like you're bending the truth a little bit. <laughs> Intriguing. And the other part that really caught my eye too was this confirmed, which I don't think you're lying about, but I think that this must have been a very interesting conversation that you had with your mother because there's a lot of emotion showing in this. This is a big difference from your baseline. Yeah. We've got an O that is really contaminated. The R is kind of missed entirely. And you've got this giant F with even, you know, it's like a fish hook F with even hooks in it. So I think that was a really dynamic and emotional conversation that you had with your mom at that point. Yeah, uh, it's funny, Teresa, because when I when I s realized that memory, which was not that long ago, I think it was after I put after fact perfection, or I would have put it in the book. When I realized that memory, I had a conversation with my mom. And I said, Hey, you know, I actually remember this, this image. And she said, Oh, yes, I remember that as well. And I didn't push. Because what I think why one of the reasons why I probably remember it is probably her reaction. Meaning we don't own this house. Who's going to clean that up? Blah, 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 which is probably the, you know, what happened. So I probably attached that visual to, to a number of things. Like, first of all, wow, that visual got that reaction. I like that. Or I get in trouble when I make when I make interesting things, which 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 is which happens for a lot of a lot of creative people, will draw on the wall and their parents will freak out and that will shut them down professionally for basically their entire career. They'll never get to the level they want because they will associate any taking of chances or any 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 reaching for the brass ring with um, um, getting their hands hands slapped down. Mm, yeah, that's so true. I have a very creative daughter who, who does a lot of work and I actually always encouraged her to write on the walls. Her room, we did it all white so that she could draw on her walls and then it's really easy to fix up afterwards. And it's like, yes, draw on the walls, create on the walls, do whatever you want, doodle. There's a follow-up book that I've been, that, that's at the publisher, the follow-up to Feck Perfection. It's called, it's called Hate Weirdo and it is, um, which is a total head fake, but um, in it, there's a chapter called It's Just Paint. And it's all about that. It's like, listen, don't freak out. Don't do that. It's just paint. What's more important to, you know, paint job or your child's uh, ego. Yeah, and letting them just express it. But you know, what also comes to mind when you're talking about this, this experience with your mom and the melted crayon, because we know you do have boundaries. You know that you're going to work within a certain frame that for you, you know, that's your very own personal boundaries that you're creating. You're not following somebody else's. But I wonder if almost that maybe also helped just to say, you know what? I have to still respect other people's properties. Uh, yeah, 
there, that's a, that's a boundary. It's like, I can be as creative as I want with my own, but not necessarily taking somebody else's. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's something that I talk about my kids, talk to my kids about because I let them do a lot. Like they, they draw, you know, all over the, I mean, my place, I, I'm not getting my deposit back. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But uh, but I also, but also, you know, when we go out into the world, they know that there are different rules. Exactly. And I think that's so key, right? Well, that is everything that I wanted to say about your handwriting, James. That is awesome, Teresa. Mm, Thank you. I got it. I'm going to work hard to every, so I don't become self-conscious now when I'm working. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's all good stuff. You know, and you had your tattoos and the handwriting. Yes. That's your handwriting or is that like a font? Yes. It's your handwriting. How much time did you spend on creating it to make it look just the way you wanted for their name? I honestly do something two or three times and I try to always pick the first because I want that. I want that. Uh, I don't want to... Once you once you go to start making a bunch, then you're there's a there's a there's there's a real feeling that I'm trying to convey and the or trying not to convey. And the one you don't want to convey is trying that I tried when I, you know, people will see that it's on my arm and they can't read it. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I literally I mean, I literally even professionally, when if I have a professional commission, it's like I am not trying to I am not trying to achieve legibility. I really am not because. I feel that whatever I am writing, that uh, if you have to make an effort, that it will be worth the effort. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. I love how you phrase that because that really does sum up your writing. It's like it is you. It's totally you. And while you're using it as a means to communicate, you are not worried about making it easy for the other the reader because that's you're going to take what the reader will take what they want and that will be it and it's not a and it's not and it's not a middle finger it's just kind of like uh i am not going to contort myself um and i think it will be worth your while (laughs) you know i mean one of my one of one of the one of the uh, things that i try to teach people is that your work is a gift am i trying to make it difficult per difficult for people i'm not trying to (laughs) but i also don't want to cater to people Mm-hmm. Because I think I think I I trust that people are intelligent and they will do the work. They will do the work, right? So there's so that's where there's a really fine line, right? Because you're not trying to, but it is just who you are. You are not going to make it. That's just one of those personality traits that you have. Whereas there are people who will write, and you know that they they are trying to make it easy for the other person. Yeah. They, they, that is an effort for them. They do make that. And that's just a personality trait where they're trying to make sure that the other person can understand them. And that usually comes back that they just want to be understood. Correct. Which is what we were talking about. Whereas for you, that's, I think you have enough uh, understanding and you're seeing enough in your own circle that that isn't necessary for you to reach for it from other people. Amazing. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I just want to finish up with is we talk a lot about, or at least you do in your book, about self-growth. And you talked about it here, just knowing yourself, doing that inner work. And I really feel like one of the things that is pivotal to that self-growth and doing the work is staying curious and learning something new. So I'm going to ask you a question about that. But before we do that, what for you is really, like, if you had one thing that you could tell people about doing that self-growth, doing the inner work, what would it be? That it's um, the hardest work you'll ever do, but it's also the most important work that you'll ever do and that you are completely worthy of it. So true. 
complete, I love that. I love that you're completely, it's worth it because it can be traumatic. It can be difficult. It can be absolutely heart-wrenching. And yet it's also exhilarating when you get to the other end of it. Yeah. There's nothing worse than having, you know, coaching clients, which I have gone through thousand people having coaching clients and hearing in their voice that they're just, it's just not going to, they're not going to do it. You know, after five sessions, they're like, well, you know, I actually really like my job and, or at least I like the people and, (laughs) you know, and it's like, Ah, we start to rationalize it in our, yeah, 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 we give up. And so for me, it's, it comes back to learning. I really feel like that self-growth so important. And it's always about staying curious about learning. So James, what is something that you have recently learned? I am a an unruly student of philosophy. Uh, I think my true calling is as a writer and a, and a, and a philosopher because it's, you know, ideas. And one of the things I've recently realized or, or learned through Buddhism is this uh, a deity originally Indian called uh, Guayin and it's a, it's a, a female deity and supposedly like devout Buddhists, especially like strong men weep in her presence. And I've taken her on. She's like my, she's like my morning, my morning reminder, my morning mantra now uh, is to, is to think about her for a, a couple of minutes. And she is the, she's kind of a goddess of uh, love and compassion and kindness her main message is that we all, we all, 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 all have at all times of our life, we have unmet childhood needs. And that's how, that's where we react from. I think that's fascinating. And I've just, she's, 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 she's new to me. I actually just bought a small, I found online a small figurine so I can have a little bit of her presence. And I, you know, I think even just the gentleness of saying all of us in childhood had something that we're responding to. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I very much appreciate it. A real treat. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI.